So I am not an expert on climate justice. There are others in this congregation who know much more about it than I do and do more to advance than me. So I wanna offer special gratitude uh, and recognition to my Earth Justice co-chair, Natalie Pien, who has been a fierce advocate activist in this field for many years. It's ironically fitting that she's not here today because she's literally caring for future generations by temporarily relocating to North Carolina to help mind her first grandchild. Uh, so for today, I'm doing something I've never done before. I am borrowing heavily from a sermon given by the Reverend Karen G. Johnston titled, This is Not a Drill. I've also included thoughts and meditations from Interfaith Power and Light, whose campaign, Sacred Trust, Our Children's Right to a Livable Planet, has provided inspiration and information for this morning's service. Adapted by Rev from Reverend Johnston. Let me begin with gratitude. Gratitude for the breath that found me awake this morning. Gratitude for the breath that found you awake this morning. Gratitude for the invitation to be here. Gratitude for the beauty of this place, this land, this corner of the earth. We refuse to bequeath a dying planet to future generations by failing to act now. We act in peace with ferocious love of these lands and waters in our hearts. We act on behalf of life. What powerful words in the midst of a topic, in the midst of a reality that is so heavy, it is leaden beyond leaden. It's difficult to offer the proper invitation, sufficient space for full consideration. I'll say it again, a refrain from, for this sermon that I worry will leave you with too much despair. I'll say it again, for it is my hope that in our travels through climate grief, we will come out the other side with a renewed commitment to action. We refuse to bequeath a dying planet to future generations by failing to act now. We act in peace with ferocious love of these lands and waters in our hearts. We act on behalf of life. Perhaps you know in your body, perhaps you know in your head, perhaps you know in that deep place of coherence beyond the binary, beyond the either or, beyond the one or the other, inside the both and all. We have moved past climate change to climate injustice or catastrophe or crisis or chaos or emergency. Take your pick. Instead of stopping global warming, there are those who have given up the notion of prevention and now speak of mitigation. Sometimes folks with this worldview, and perhaps it's you, speak of adaptation with forecasts of society as still recognizable, our current linear economy more or less intact, just smaller. There are those who speak of reversing the damage, of seeking salvation and perhaps even redemption through technology or artificial intelligence or a combination of both, seeding the clouds, carbon capture, perhaps this is you. There are those who believe we are well beyond the tipping point, 
yet believe it is irresponsible to disseminate that perspective, no matter the science to back it up, for it raises despair. Perhaps this is you. There are so many voices to listen to, some in resonance with each other, some in contradiction, and these are just the science-based ones. We can listen to David Wallace Wells, who tells us that climate nihilism is just as much a delusion as climate denial. We can listen to Nathaniel Rich, who basically tells us that it's no one's fault we didn't act when we had the chance, that was in the 1980s. And at the same time, it was and is everyone's fault. We can listen to the prophetic fiction writers of the 90s who knew what was in store. Starhawk with her fifth sacred thing and Octavia Butler with her parable trilogy, which was actually only two books. A quarter of a century ago, they were listening to the earth, to activists and healers, and could sense the path we've been on and are on. And there are those now in this time and place who do speak of collapse, an uneven ending of our normal modes of sustenance, security, pleasure, identity, meaning, and hope. A definition borrowed from Jem, Jem Bendel, who published a paper called Deep Adaptation, a map for navigating through climate tragedy. Bendel has created a community of folks largely online who have come to believe that collapse is both inevitable and imminent. They engage this worldview not out of cynicism or masochism or sadism, but out of a deep sense of love and that clear-sightedness that can only serve us, while denial will cause us and the planet even more harm. I am learning much in this community. Jem Bendel is just one voice in the environmental movement that is the, called the Extinction Re Rebellion, XR for short. It's a global movement begun in the United Kingdom, nonviolent, colorful, creative in its approach. Extinction Rebellion is stunningly powerful and has been ex expanding quickly, largely due to their success, and how their organizing gives people grieving and despairing real opportunities to make a difference in the here and now. They are the ones who got the UK to declare carbon neutrality by 2050, and they continue to push for it even sooner. They are partnering with other organizations, climate mobilization, to get municipalities to declare climate emergencies. At this point, over 2,000 local governments covering a billion citizens have declared a climate emergency and committed to action to drive down carbon emissions at emergency speed. XR emerged as part of the same zeitgeist as the Sunrise Movement in this country and as the climate strike movement that blossomed out, out of the actions of now 19-year-old Greta Thunberg, who several years ago stopped attending school on Fridays. Instead, she sat outside her nation's parliament building to demand that the government respond in a way that was appropriate to the emergency at hand. With my own hapless sense of helplessness in the face of this mess we have created and continue to sustain, I bring curiosity and admiration and hope to these new and powerful movements. I'm drawn to XR and the people creating its culture because there is explicit intersectionality, by which I mean there is attention to how dominance over nature connects with other forms of dominance. 
other forms of dominion, and that we cannot end dominion over nature without attending to all forms of cultural oppression. The struggle for climate justice is also the struggle for racial, sexual, and economic equality. XR published this is not a drill, an Extinction Rebellion handbook. This is a 160 page book contains a, and contains a diverse array of authors, includes a pithy a, a description of deep adaptation in its four R's, resilience, relinquishment, restoration, and reconciliation. An introduction to donut economics by Kate Raworth that reminds us it is possible to have an economy that makes us thrive, whether or not it grows, rather than the kind we currently have, which is an economy that grows whether or not it makes us thrive. The book also includes concrete steps for how to hold a successful nonviolent civil, civilly disobedient action and at a practical level how to feed people including the police officers who are assigned to the action. A deeply disturbing window into how the ultra rich are preparing for collapse a harrowing description of the impact on indigenous people in Chad, a tragic report from a firefighter in the West who wrote anonymously for fear of backlash, a nuanced approach to the new green deal that reminds us that finance should be a servant to the economy and the ecosystem and not the other way around. And it includes XR's declaration of emergency, which ends with these lines familiar to you by now, we refuse to bequeath a dying planet to future generations by failing to act now. We act in peace with ferocious love of these lands and waters in our hearts. We act on behalf of life. Extinction Rebellion has become an international movement with almost 2,000 groups in 86 countries. Clearly their methods and methods, message and methods, while not appreciated by all, resonate as more and more people wake up to climate emergency particularly in the wake of the IPCC report released in October 2018, now four years ago, that informed the world we have less than 11, make that seven years to make necessary changes. There are many ways to be part of the latest manifestation of saving this living planet, of saving the interdependent web of life of which we are all a part. Perhaps some of you are a part of it. Perhaps you've already been following Greta and the youth climate strike movement. The first strike started when she was then 15 years old and sat outside the Swedish parliament. That was 2018. Since then, Thunberg has rallied roughly 10 million people from 260 countries to join school strikes. And this is not just for students or youth, but for all of us. The call says, People all over the world will use their power to stop business in, as usual in the face of climate emergency. We will join young people in the streets to demand an end to the age of fossil fuel and emergency action to avoid climate breakdown. It turns out there are multiple kinds of climate denial. I recognize myself in some of them. Magical thinking that uncomfortable things will just go away on their own, especially if you don't pay too much attention to them, or that science or technology might solve the problem and save the day. That if I recycle more, buy my clothes secondhand, drive my used Prius, I'm doing enough. 
Denial persuades us that the more we know about the climate emergency, the less hope we will feel. As, I've, as I have danced with my own climate denial, I have learned that that's not necessarily true. In fact, I want to suggest that having conversations about climate crisis or emergency or even collapse normalizes these conversations, making room for the possibility of preparation, the possibility of action, the possibility of shift. This benefits society. Taking seriously the possibility of crisis or collapse means that some of us will learn better ways of living and ways of making peace and bringing healing. Whether collapse happens or not, learning these ways of li and living into them will limit disease and destruction regardless. They might even hold within them seeds for a positive future we cannot currently imagine. It is not easy to make room in our psyches, in our hearts, in our minds, for the reality of climate chaos, no matter the scale. For if we did, or if we do, it means it's not just other people who must stop business as usual. It is we who must do this. And we must do it now, for time is ever short. We must, in whatever ways our life circumstances allow, stretching beyond our comfort zones as much as possible, support or take part in the work of climate justice. To do so, is to be part of a world, worldwide collective action, which can raise up your personal sense of connection and community and lift a communal sense of hope. To do so is to embody and make visible the interdependent web of which we are a part. We refuse to bequeath a dying planet to future generations by failing to act now. We act in peace with ferocious love of land and water in our hearts. We act on behalf of life. So those were the words of um, Reverend Johnston. I now have a few thoughts from Interfaith Power and Light. Quote, our faith traditions call us into a holy covenant of sacred trust to care for one another in a relationship of mutual accountability. One way we care for another is to care for our earth, our common home. Intergenerational climate justice calls us all to a sacred duty to care for the earth and to preserve our common home so that future generations may thrive. Many faith traditions speak of honoring future generations with equity and justice. Intergenerational injustice racial injustice and climate injustice converge to have a disproportionate impact on black indigenous communities of color and low wealth communities. These folks are suffering the most from climate impacts that will only worsen in time. To ensure a livable planet for the next seven generations and beyond, we need to advocate for equitable systems that care for the communities who are on the forefront of climate change. Our children have a sacred right to a livable future, to air they can breathe, water they can drink, land they can grow food on, and a stable climate. The future is being threatened with more extreme floods, droughts, storms, wildfires. Our air 
water and land is becoming more polluted, less resilient, and less capable of sustaining life. It is our responsibility to respond to the call of our faith." End quote. Wendy has some postcards in the back um, from Interfaith Power and Light that you're free to pick up if you would like to go on record committing to vote for creation and for climate justice. Um, so along with providing meditations that bring climate justice into pulpits today across the country, across Virginia and coast to coast, Interfaith Power and Light is also involved together with our Children's Trust in bringing a landmark lawsuit against the federal government on behalf of children whose lives and health are being affected today by the climate crisis. This past Thursday, Natalie, Sandy Shahada and I, along with many others, had the opportunity to screen a documentary titled Youth v. Gov. We highly recommend it. The film chronicles the so far seven year battle to hold our national government accountable for the harm brought to children by its failure to act on climate change. The 21 young panelists, uh, plaintiffs, excuse me, are asserting that through the government's affirmative actions that cause climate change, it has violated the, the youngest generation's constitutional right to life, liberty, and property as well as a fail, failure to protect essential public resources. Called Juliana, after one of the plaintiffs, v. United States, the lawsuit was filed in the U.S. District Court in Oregon in 2015. Since then, with appeal after appeal, many motions, writs, and rulings, it has been making its way through an arduous judicial process. Judicial process. At one point, the plaintiffs won a unanimous ruling by the Supreme Court against the Trump administration for denying his filing for a stay. This story, still unfolding, gives me hope, and I hope it gives you hope too. So let us refuse to bequeath a dying planet to future generations by failing to act now. Let us act in peace with ferocious love of these lands and waters in our hearts. Let us act on behalf of love. Amen, and may it be so.